Welcome to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. I'm your host, Megan McCorkle. This podcast series features conversations with leaders and innovators having a positive impact in our city. Let's get started. Your journey starts here. Baltimore Ceasefire. It started as an idea that came from the community, shifted into an action plan, and is now a global movement. The message, call a ceasefire for one weekend. Nobody kill anybody, celebrate life instead. We're gonna take a look at how Baltimore ceasefire started, how it's expanded and inspired other cities, and what you can do to help. A community-driven effort to stop the epidemic of violence, one city, one neighborhood, one block at a time. Joining us today is Erica Bridgeford from Baltimore Ceasefire. Thanks so much for being with us. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about how Baltimore Ceasefire even got started. Well, everybody thinks it was me who started it, but <laughs> you can take it really, credit. It, I mean, I birthed it, but it wasn't my idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ogun, in 2015, when the murder rate went up, he mm-hmm. approached me to talk about starting, just calling a ceasefire and figuring out how to do that. And he said, I think you're somebody who maybe I should talk to about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it took us two years to even, we didn't really know each other then. We played phone tag and meeting tag at first. And then in 2017, my son and I were riding home from work and he said, you know, he'd been paying attention to the news that day. And it was when the big report was that the murder rate in Baltimore was highest than than it's ever been per capita. And so he said that to me out loud. Ma, did you realize this? And I was like, I did not realize this. And how is that possible? Because him and I both, you know, were in jobs where all we do all day is help people have peace, teach people how to be peaceful, all of that stuff. And so I got angry about, you know, what people should be doing. And somebody should call a ceasefire. And what is the problem? And and then I realized that if I was that mad about it, I probably should be doing something about it. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can't really be, when you when you push past getting angry about what other people are doing, what they should be doing, you realize you are they. Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh, crap. Now I got to <laughs> Right. And so I reached out to the very people that I was fussing about. Like, why don't they something, something, you know, mm-hmm. and like just saying the idea out loud to people, they were like, oh, yeah, before I could get the whole thing out of my mouth, people were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's something we should do. Gang affiliated um, organizations and every, you know, like everybody from council people to street people and corner mm-hmm. boys, everybody was like, yep, I will push that message with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. You know, so I just called Ogun and said, remember you had that idea? Like, let's talk about it. So his idea was that everybody should know that there's a ceasefire. My piece of it was that everybody should celebrate life for those for those days. And I said it should be three days so we could just go hard and add Friday in there and just make it a whole weekend. Um, I had no idea that people would do the amazing things that they've done. I just thought it was going to be cookouts and block parties, Mm -hmm. you know, and a few. I didn't know there would be like over 40 events. I didn't know that we would go, well, let's do this every three months, right? Because it's a lot of work just to make happen. And that's always one of my biggest fears is because there's over 600,000 people in Baltimore, a lot of people don't know when a ceasefire weekend is even happening. Mm -hmm. And so just getting the word out and people doing that work and the outreach, it's just been amazing to watch people from different walks of life who under 
in their normal lives would have never met each other, would have never been in the same room together. And now they're not just deciding to be in the room. They are deciding to go out into communities together. It's just an amazing thing to see. Talk to me about what that very first weekend looked like. I'm sure you Mm -hmm. had to be a little nervous. A little nervous. I was losing my entire mind. (laughs) (laughs) Because that, so the, everybody doesn't even know that this is a thing yet. The, you know, it's, murder is an epidemic. Mm -hmm. And you can't jump inside of people's bodies and inside of their experiences to make them not do or do anything, right? And so no matter how much of us wanted this to happen, we knew somebody might still get killed. I didn't know if people would really follow through with the events they planned. Because, you know, people, things happen, Mm -hmm. right? And so there was like this weird combination of a new kind of extreme psychotic nervousness that I'd (laughs) never experienced before. But the air really did feel different in Baltimore. Like, it was just amazing because of the amount of people who did know and were saying, we are going to be peaceful. We have done the work. We told everybody we know. And now we're just using our collective consciousness to think about peace, think about peace. You know, like just push peace into the atmosphere, push love into the atmosphere. And there were enough people doing it that it changed the way the city felt. It felt like a holiday weekend. Uh People were, hey, happy ceasefire week. I was like, what? Is this a thing we say now? Uh Happy ceasefire weekend? Like, what? And so... um, Oh, my goodness, to see the amount of people whose profiles, pictures changed on social media and um, people from around the country and around the globe were like sending me pictures of people holding ceasefire posters, changing their profile pictures in Germany and South Africa. And and I was like, what is happening right now? Like, (laughs) yeah, it was it was it was. And then the media came from everywhere, from China, from France, from the, well, the BBC, you know, they don't play, they cover everything. But, you know, the BBC. Yeah, so everybody came, everybody wanted this positive story about Baltimore, like that nothing specific had happened that made everybody just decide, yep, we're all about love and life for Mm -hmm. these three days at least. And so it was just, it was amazing. And even when somebody did get killed, because we decided that this movement was about changing our reaction to murder, to see the amount of people that came out to that space where the murder had happened just a few, like the the fire department was still there washing the sidewalk when we got there. So mm-hmm. it was, it had not, it had happened not long ago. And there were many people, about 50 people were there waiting for me when I got there. And so... Which And that part never dawned on me that, like, nobody was going to do anything until I got there. Like, none of that had dawned on me (laughs) um, until I got there. Like, why aren't they singing or praying or, like, doing whatever they wanted to do in the space? People knew to show up, but, like, they didn't know what to do. And so... um, It was just beautiful, though, to see us challenge ourselves, even to think about whatever anger and hatred we had toward the shooter. Mm-hmm. That we cleanse that out of our hearts and minds right there in that space. That when you're standing in the murder space, there's enough anger and hatred here in this space. So let's not add to that. What can we put 
differently into this space. And that was something that started conversations that we don't often have. You know, we're okay with piling people in the corner when they do horrible things without having conversations about what happened to them in in their lives that led up to that Mm -hmm. space. And until we do that work, we're not going to heal the epidemic because the disease spreads when we just Mm-hmm. power infected bodies in the corner somewhere, right? But sure. not, you know, so we have to take responsibility for how we create violence. Um, and so to see people be willing and open, even in their pain and anger, standing in a murder space, to not know what his name was and still say, it doesn't matter, we love you. You matter to us. Like, it was just, oh, my goodness. And then I met his mom. His name is Trey. I met his mom because we reached out to their family, and Mm -hmm. I've stayed friends with her. And she marched with us in the parade at the one-year anniversary. Uh And, you know, it's just, oh, my goodness. It's just good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What makes Baltimore? I think when a murder rate goes up, people say, what can lawmakers do? What can the police do? But what makes Baltimore ceasefire so different? It feels like it came from the community. It's born of the community. Is that what's making it successful? I think, uh, yes, absolutely. So people talk about unity all the time, right? If you ask anybody, what do we need to fix any social injustice? People will say, well, people need to come together. You know, we need to work together more. We need to, right? But nobody ever thinks of a way to get everybody to do that. So people have said, join my organization. Join the work we're doing, which is great. And there are many organizations that you should be volunteering with and helping them get work done. But there's never been a thing that no matter what you were affiliated with, you could decide how you wanted to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And so that unity... We are getting proof that when we put all of our hearts together, we can do beautiful things in the city. And so there's a knee-jerk reaction when violence goes up, right? People want something done right now, like just add water and it's fixed, (laughs) (laughs) right? And so you got to go back through the history of Baltimore to understand where we are right now. So there's not going to be one thing you do that's going to fix it to the degree that you want it fixed right this moment. And that can make us feel hopeless. Like if I can't fix it right now, oh, well, it's just too big. There's nothing we can do. And so this idea that we can do something right now that makes us feel loved right now, right? And that hope is not this naive thing. Right. That hope is very gangster. Hope is very powerful and strong. (laughs) Right. And there's an expectation. Like if I tell you I'm coming to your house, when I knock on your door, you're not surprised. You're like, oh, my God, Eric, I wasn't ready. What are you doing here? (laughs) Right. And so we our hope is we expect the day when the murder rate in Baltimore is extremely low or non-existent. Like we know that that day is a thing. And so we're preparing for it right now. We're living right now. How would we live in a world in a Baltimore? that is peaceful and that loves itself, that honors itself. What does that look like? Let's do that right now and see, right? And in the meantime, too, we're addressing the impacts of violence and murder, the Mm -hmm. aftermath of violence and murder. So we're not just, you know, having our heads in the sand about what, you know, can happen. We're going, there's real pain that's happening right now for people, too. What can we do about that? How do we address people's pain? How can we show people that we love them and we care about their trauma as well? And so because this movement is determined to putting our hope in action on every level, 
from the root causes to the present impacts to the aftermath of violence and murder. You can't help but do something successful, right, if you're, if you're getting everybody to do that. Erica Bridgeford with Baltimore Ceasefire. We have a lot more to talk about. More Free to Be More podcast is coming up. One Book Baltimore is sponsored by the T. Rowe Price Foundation. For over three decades, the T. Rowe Price Foundation has been a catalyst for change in communities. With $111 billion in direct grants and matching contributions since 1981, the foundation is making an impact in Baltimore and communities around the globe. For more information on One Book Baltimore, check out prattlibrary.org. Erica Bridgeford with Baltimore Ceasefires joining us today on the Free to Be More podcast. Erica, you guys have made so much progress in just the past year. How important is it going forward to get kids involved in this ceasefire movement? It's extremely important. So I saw my first murder when I was 12 years old, right? And that was in the 80s. And so youth today experience more murder than a lot of grown-ups would have seen in their entire lives. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of 16-year-olds have seen that much murder right now. And so because it's impacting them so much, we need their voice about, well, how is it impacting you? What do you think the problems are? What do you think needs to be done about it? What does celebrating life look like to you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm just not as cool and hip as I thought I was. <laughs> and the fact that I still say cool and hip is proof. Yep. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so although I get really excited when kids see me on the street and they call me by my whole name, they go, I can reach for it. Like, that's what kids do. That's so funny. But, like... I don't have the same kind of credibility that, you know, in engaging youth around this movement as their peers do, Mm -hmm. right? And I shouldn't, right? We should be talking peer to peer. We should be using our privilege and our particular demographics. And so you can't say that, you know, well, we want youth to understand how to deal with their conflicts differently without getting youth to tell us what kind of conflicts are you having? What are your challenges with conflicts? What are your ideas about how to move through those situations differently? So having youth voices, um, we're serving like all of Baltimore has to be involved. And of that over 600,000 people, Thousands and thousands and thousands of them are 21 and under. Mm -hmm. And then when we look at the murder rate and we look at who's vulnerable to violence, both on the receiving violence and participating in violence side, those numbers for youth are very high. And so for me, that's not about blaming youth because they were not born violent. They were not born with guns in their hands or, right, they (laughs) they weren't born watching Uh, violent movies and listening to violent music, Mm -hmm. they got birthed into that. We handed them a world that says violence is power and teaches them that if you want power, it somehow looks like taking somebody else down. Mm -hmm. And so the way that, so I remember adolescence and how, you know, disempowered I felt and how confused I felt trying to just figure out who I am and all of that kind of stuff. Um, The low self-esteem and the anxiety and the depression and just all of those kinds of things. Um, Just in general, we need to take responsibility for what we've handed youth. And one way to do that is to get them involved. Yeah, and one of the ways that they are getting involved this year is One Book Baltimore. 
Yes. Brand new initiative. So tell me a little bit about what is One Book Baltimore. Okay, so there's this book called Dear Martin that I can't tell you too much about what it is about or else you won't go read it, but you really want to read it. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, there will be, um, so middle schoolers all over the city will be encouraged to read this book. Um, and have conversations around the different themes in there. So there's everything from just self-awareness to falling in love and making choices about love Mm -hmm. um, to privilege, you know, and white privilege and what it feels like. And and then survivor's guilt even was in there. And um, just so there's race stuff, there's gender stuff, there's how adults and youth interact with one another in the places they misunderstand and sometimes connect. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there. And so um, middle schoolers will be having those conversations around this book. Um, Baltimore Ceasefire is um, hosting community conversations around the themes from the book during the November ceasefire. So even if people haven't read it, these themes are big enough and specific enough that people can have community conversations around them. And we've trained youth to help lead those conversations. And so that's really exciting. And a few of those youth have even applied to be youth ambassadors for the ceasefire movement, and they're going to be getting trained when we train them. So. And all of these conversations are happening with uh, in Pratt Library branches. That's right. Yes. So it's yeah. all over the city. It's all over the city. There'll be well, Pratt first of all has just been such a huge and wonderful supporter of the Baltimore ceasefire movement and about peace in general. Like not just saying we need to teach kids peace, but like finding ways. What does that look like? And how can we take what we do and make it exciting and fun and relevant to youth? And mm-hmm. so I really have appreciated Pratt. Um, thought process around that and the way they manifest that. Um, And so this is just one other way that they're doing that. And so they'll be around the city in Pratt Libraries, these community conversations about themes from Dear Martin. What do you hope for the future of this? This is sort of the first year. There's a lot of organizations on board. First of all, what does it mean to you to see the huge amount of organizations that have gotten behind a movement that essentially started with Baltimore Ceasefire? Yeah, that is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's constantly how I feel. Like, wow, that's crazy. Like, what happens when your heart explodes, right? So I talked about there being a knee-jerk reaction. The Baltimore ceasefire movement is a heart-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. And so when our hearts all explode together, and it's about self-determination because we don't say, well, you got to participate this way or that way, people go, well, what is my wildest dream? What do I want to do? And so you have these things cropping up that were either inspired by the work of the ceasefire movement or people want to do something in participation in their way of being involved with the movement. And so this one book thing, I love reading. I've loved reading since I was a little girl. I was talking when I was five months old. My mom taught me how to read before I went to school. So our ability to understand words, comprehend words, be able to use words to articulate our own thoughts, feelings, and needs, that determines a lot of times how successful we can even be 
right in the world. And so to honor that because youth are really having to deal with this, these hard topics to say, well, let's support them in moving through these hard topics with a book. That's a really good book mm-hmm. um, and really relevant to the stuff they're going through and have them lead these conversations with communities. It was, it's, an, it's a fantastic idea. And so I'm really excited to see what books get picked next year and the year after. Yeah, I know um, our partner Baltimore City Schools have gotten the book in the hands of the 7th and 8th graders, but this is really beyond 7th and 8th grade. We're just yeah. sort of trying to encourage everyone to read it, right? That's right, yeah. And so um, we'll be pushing it because we want people to come to those community conversations. Um, if you haven't read the book when you get there, people will be bringing up things that happened in the book because they, if they've read it, right? So we wanted to make people make you kind of feel like you're not in the club if you <laughs> if you haven't read it, right? And so, um, so yeah, but to have community conversations about these things is really important. And so, um, but to make sure that youth are still like a big focal point. Right. And that they their voice and their questions. And so what we did to lead those conversations is in the training um, for them that we ended the training with them picking which themes they wanted to bring to the community to have conversations about. And it blew my mind that I was like, oh, okay, so that's what we talk about. Uh Okay, all right. Well, that's what we're going to be doing then. So. Yeah. Yeah. You can find out all about the programming surrounding One Book Baltimore at prattlibrary.org. The Free to Be More podcast will be right back. Support for the Free to Be More podcast is provided by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. Children fifth grade or younger can sign up for the Read to Read book club every October and March. The partnership with the National Aquarium helps kids learn more about our environment. Read five aquatic-themed books from the Pratt Library and win four free passes to the aquarium. Pick up your Read to Read bookmark during October or March at your Pratt Library branch. Numbers are limited. More information at prattlibrary.org. We're back with Erica Bridgeford from Baltimore Ceasefire. Erica, we're talking a little bit about One Book Baltimore. Um, It's the first year of it. What is your dream for this program? Oh, my goodness. Like... So if elementary school kids were doing, you know, like what books really can get their minds inspired and honor who they are and the kinds of things they're going through. And I can't wait to see like the pride, the art projects and the music and, the, you know, those kind of things that come from just reading books um, to and high school students, like what kind of conversations they'll be having around books that get chosen even if there's like one day some kind of voting system where kids get to pick the book that they want to read you know right so like I think it would just be great like as the program grows that people really get more and more creative about how to have youth involved in the planning and the choosing and the, you know, like all Mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff and making events around the one book weekend and what they want those events to look like and that sort of thing. That would just be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess talking about Baltimore Ceasefire, a lot of people have heard a lot of amazing information about Baltimore Ceasefire. So how can they get involved? How can you grow this in your community? So the beautiful thing is that it really is self-determination. So you can do anything, like something small, like just change your profile picture to the latest Baltimore ceasefire profile picture um, because that visual unity matters. 
Or you can come to public meetings and find out about the movement. Um, at BaltimoreCeasefire.com, there's a calendar so you can see when all of the public meetings are happening. Even if you want to show up and come and say, I think this is stupid and it's not going to work. Great. We want to hear why. What, sure. what should happen differently? Mm-hmm. And how can you help us do those things differently, right? Um, or people can come and get flyers and posters from the Community Mediation Center um, on the outreach page of the website. They can see that information flyers and posters are free so we want like everywhere you go in baltimore you see ceasefire posters mm-hmm. uh, that's the dream so that that visual is all over baltimore people can also become ambassadors when they see the trainings coming up whether they're youth or adults um they can also donate there's a donate button sure. <laughs> so if you just like throwing money at stuff mm-hmm. you can do hey. that <laughs> right um, always welcome um, yeah so so there's a lot of different ways that people can get involved even just telling people about it and so what we ask people to do is to take the peace challenge so tell three new people a day that you didn't tell yesterday about the upcoming ceasefire Mm -hmm. we want everybody to learn that the weekends are february may august and november right that is just you know it's coming like you know halloween is coming right nobody has to tell you that you know when it is Mm -hmm. and you're ready for it right (laughs) Um, so that's that's what we want. And so however being involved looks to people, and you don't have to wait until a, until a ceasefire weekend. So people do things throughout the year, and they go, hey, can this be a part of the ceasefire? We're like, absolutely, come get some posters. So it's as simple as like making sure you have posters and flyers at your event that you're ha- having all year and telling people about the upcoming ceasefire at whatever event you're already doing. Um, and then we put it on our public calendar, and so people now see your event event is now upheld and more people find out about it as well. And I think that that is a big, again, that unity thing. Baltimore is not resource deficient. It's just that a lot of us don't know things that are happening. And so I'm excited that Baltimore Ceasefire has reached a platform where if you get associated with it, people are checking for you, right? They're like, oh, what are you doing, right? Um, And so we're happy to shine light on all of the good work being done around Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Baltimore Ceasefire obviously started in Baltimore, but you're saying people from all over the world have contacted you. What has that meant to you (laughs) to see something like that and see it try to be replicated other places? Yeah, so people have, um, so we know that in Hagerstown, they started a a Hagerstown Cease Pain, and they focus on um, suicide and and, um, drug overdoses, but they do their weekends when we have ceasefire weekends. Their logo looks exactly like ours, except this cease pain instead of ceasefire. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. Um, there's somebody in Detroit that I'm in conversations with. Um, somebody from the Caribbean contacted us wow. to say, hey, how can we replicate it? So I literally put together like a whole package to send people about if they want to do it in their town. And then I get on video chats with people, phone conferences with people to help them think through like, okay, but in your city, what would it look like? Like here are the values and the premise, but what would it look like, you know, for you? Because it won't look the same as it looks in Baltimore everywhere, right? But it is really exciting. Again, it proves that just like violence is contagious, so are peace and love. Mm-hmm. That's a great message, I guess, across the board for everyone, no matter where you live. That's right. That's right. 
Did you ever think, you know, you're in that car with your son talking about maybe let's start a ceasefire. Did you ever think that you'd be giving standing ovation TED Talks, talking to video chat around the world? No. I mean, mean, and I was so nervous. Whatever my face looked like that next day when I was driving to work, (laughs) (laughs) as I got on the phone with people and I was like, oh, I think this is something we got to do. I couldn't imagine putting one more thing on my plate at the time. I was already extremely busy, um, and I got to work. We had a staff meeting that day, and my office is in Tacoma Park. And, like, my boss and my other coworkers were looking at me, and they were like, what is going on with you? And I was like, I think we got to call a ceasefire. Like, I said it just like that, because, like, all I could think about was, how do you let 600,000 people know about something? Sure. That's three months from now. Yeah, like, it's a little daunting. I just, it just was, you know— And so, like, just the day-to-day pushing through it, and because it is intimately engaging with murder on almost uh, an everyday basis, right? And so um, I was extremely confused and excited when it broke the internet, because it went from the media tell—when we put out the press release in May of 2017— Everybody responded to with like, okay, yeah, tell us the day after the ceasefire. Huh? Yeah. We'll call you back. <laughs> sure. Right? And we were like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, what? Yeah. So the fact that by July, I was on the cover of the Baltimore Sun and it was people were texting me from all over <laughs> everywhere. Like, you're on Reddit. I was like, I don't know what that means, but great. You know, um, I had no idea that it was going to help transition me to my next level of my own greatness, of my own accountability to the world that I'm in, um, giving me a chance to decide who I want to be while I have a chance in history. Who can I say that I was when I go meet my ancestors? Mm -hmm. I didn't think through all of that. Um, And the amount of growth that it has from like showing up in murder spaces to bless them. I wouldn't have known I was going to be that spiritual guru kind of person. But also just challenging myself to take the peace challenge on a regular basis and not punch people in the throat who who attack me on social media, who... Sometimes that's hard. You know, write nasty op-eds about Mm -hmm. me, who like whatever it is that people do, like they really gun for you, you know? Um, you gotta and live so that to piece. walk right to <laughs> yeah. have to walk in what is compassion and understanding and love and still being assertive like how do you combine all of those things when you are under attack mm-hmm. and so what I've had to learn about myself and who I want to be and who I am and the work I still have to do like I'm proud about who I am and I honor the work that I have left to do I had not thought any of that through. And I'm glad I didn't, because had I thought about, like, here's a snapshot of the next year, I might have been like, never mind, you know, (laughs) because it has been exciting and amazing. And it's also been extremely painful sometimes. Sure. So, and when I really sit still and think about it, Baltimore is worth every last single drop of it. And I I want, I, I cannot rest in my own grave or cremation jar, whatever my kids decide to put me in, when I go, I won't be able to rest knowing that I could have did one more thing. I could have said one more thing because Baltimore was worth me leaving everything right here. I can't think of a better way to end on that message. Erica, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. You can find out more about One Book Baltimore at prattlibrary.org. 
The Free to Be More podcast is supported by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. Need to brush up on your computer skills? Check out the Pratt Centers for Technology Training. From internet basics to advanced Excel and everything in between, the Pratt offers free computer classes at eight locations around the city. You can even get help using your tablet and smartphone. For more information, go to prattlibrary.org. You're free to be more at the Pratt. I'm Megan McCorkle, and you've been listening to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. You can follow the Pratt on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next month for another Free to Be More conversation. Thanks for listening.